Despite the fact of winning the beautiful Front Lawn Garden Award last year that the city gave out, now the city's asking a resident in Scarborough to rip up the artificial turf, which is on her uh, front yard. The reason why? Drainage does not absorb water as fast as the natural ground cover. And uh, despite the fact about having two feet of drainage underneath the turf and being professionally installed, it's got to go. Here to talk about the ins and outs of turf, Professor Robert Wright, Director of the Center for Landscape Research at the University of Toronto. Welcome to the show, Professor. Good to have you on. Good morning, Kelly. How prevalent is uh, artificial turf uh, becoming in the city of Toronto? Uh, you're mostly seeing it now uh, occur around um, sports fields and parks. Uh, because of our climate, uh, the winter, uh, some of the growing conditions, also our control on pesticides, uh, requirements for irrigation, uh, fields that are used for sports get really beat up, and it's almost impossible to keep them maintained, and that's mostly where you see them. Uh, if you were to go elsewhere in the world, Florida, the United States, you'd see tons of these. Right, and it, artificial turf is considered, apparently, according to the city, a hard surface. Why is that? Well, it, there, there are literally hundreds of types of uh, installations for these things, from being installed on top of asphalt uh, to basically having granular material. They're more like a net-like uh, substance material that goes through them. Uh, but they do not respond in the same way that <clears throat> natural materials do to drainage. So you can imagine soil is like a natural sponge. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only that, uh, the grass itself transpires uh, water, uh, it uses up the materials, creates oxygen, all that sort of stuff like that. But most natural systems who were, were basically uh, plastic grasses inert. Uh, so it really depends on the situation, so it's really hard to say. You know, two feet of granular, that holds a lot of water, but then where does it go? Right. And so the pros and cons of, of using artificial turf as a, um, I guess, something to cover your front yard with would be what? Well, I think the uh, <laughs> the lawn itself has a very convoluted history, <laughs> as you mm-hmm. can imagine. Because somewhere, uh, somewhere uh, we've decided that we want one one uniform material, perfectly green, no splotches, no color, no everything. And we've created a whole industry around that from pesticides to irrigation to grass types to, uh, uh, you know, turf seed mixes, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, the next logical step would say, hey, we can eliminate all those issues and make something look perfect all the time by using uh, plastic grass. The real pro-con to this sort of thing is a couple of things. One is the fact that it, it, it does has no ecological value at all in terms of it doesn't do anything. There aren't soils, no microbes, no uh, pollinators, no other plants associated with it. It's plastic. I mean, <laughs> at this point in the planet's history, we're trying to get rid of plastic. We're not trying to... Uh, use more of it uh more of it there have been issues uh, people talked about the types of plastics whether there's off-gassing whether there's environmental conditions uh, in terms of uh, impacts to that uh, to the use what do you do when you recycle it anybody who's had artificial turf knows one of the big problems is like if a dog poops on your lawn it's a bit different than on a natural grass surface where it kind of breaks down in the organics yeah you so much for watering you're going to have to water that off exactly well you'll have to scrub it off yeah. probably so uh, that's uh, that's one aspect of it. So I think generally, you know, in fact, people are moving away from lawns altogether uh, into more natural materials, uh, ground covers, that sort of stuff like that. So uh, 
And the other thing people forget about is that the front lawns are often, particularly as you can imagine in a city, most of our front lawns are often part of the road right away and belong to the public. So, you know, even though we're responsible for maintaining that area, you know, just like we're responsible for shoveling the snow off our drive, our, our, our sidewalks, that part of the lawn actually belongs to the city, the first, you know, kind of two meters of your, of your lawn uh, on your property. Which can be quite significant if you're living in Toronto. Absolutely. I mean, that's where all our street trees are planted, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, and you know, the bylaws control that uh, quite specifically. You can't, just can't go out on your front lawn and cut your tree down. Despite the fact that it's a single-use plastic and we're trying to move away from it and it could yeah. off-gas and then you won't have the proper microbes and pollinators won't have a place to go and, exactly. and yada, yada, yada. What about the um, people that say, well, at least it conserves on water? Well, that would uh, that would be that would be true, I guess, in, in terms of it's using less water. But you can imagine this year that's not been an issue. <laughs> so uh, it depends. But yes, you don't have to irrigate it. The interesting thing we did a study a long time ago where we were looking at uh, heat island effects, and we found that also what these lawns do is they generate a huge amount of heat because they're not a natural surface. They end up if you look at artificial turf or sports fields or anything. They generate as much heat almost as a street does does because the heat isn't absorbed from them. It's just reflected off. Wow. Yeah. What about the drainage question? I mean, this woman who has to rip up her artificial turf, which the city awarded, uh, I think, the best front yard award to last yes. year, which is hilarious. Um, well, it must she, have looked really good. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's green uh, and it's even. There's yeah. She says there's two feet of drainage under the turf because it was professionally installed how how does the turf actually drain? Are there perforations in the turf? Yes, it's kind of like if you looked at it. If you look at some of the more recent ones, it, it, I had a, a collection of them a while ago, but I, I let that go when we moved into our new building here at Once Benina. They're a pretty amazing in terms of when you look at them, the, the quality of the ones, especially the coming up from the States. Uh, they can match almost any grass type, any look, and they're almost like a kind of netting. They're woven into like a, if you can think about a carpet, but with larger holes in it uh it's a netting and it can drain through that netting uh in terms of the uh, in terms of the groundwater and then it basically you can put as much granular as you want to kind of absorb the water the question is where does the water go after that mm-hmm. so even when we do uh things like uh, rain gardens storm lawns everything like that we have to have a way of moving that water somehow if it overflows into the uh, sewage system or into other parts of a garden or area so it can be used uh, basically to reduce the levels of irrigation. When she talks about uh, drainage underneath, would that be like a weeping tile or something similar? It would probably be a granular. So what they okay. would do is they would put down, like, you'd have this sort of like uh, mat, which is the grass itself, and underneath that you put a filter cloth, which would stop, you know, stuff from getting into the granular, and then you would have very... Uh, uh, various sizes of granular underneath that would create a kind of reservoir system uh, under below it that the water would actually pour into. And and people, uh, engineers who do this uh, for buildings and landscape architects, one of the things we have to do is calculate the requirement of that reservoir to hold water. And the idea is to hold water during the storms, but to slowly release it uh, into the landscape uh, after the storms. So besides sporting fields, is there any appropriate practical application for artificial turf in the city of Toronto? Uh, 
I would say it's not something we want to move into. It's something we're really, I think, in terms of the use of plastics, et cetera, it was something we're moving away from. We're also moving away from lawns because of the nature of the irrigation that you mentioned, fertilization. Uh, you know, people uh, in terms of the, uh, the controversy over overuse of Roundup these days mm-hmm. in terms of health impacts, all that sort of stuff and for weed control and things like that. We're just moving into more biodiverse, uh, environmentally kind of responsive landscapes now uh, and away from lawns. So what are we starting to see? Are we starting to see more um, indigenous plants and a kind of an English style front front yards? Exactly. On one hand, you sort of the English yard, we have lots of perennials and flowers and things like that. At the other hand, uh, you have more, uh, you know, native plants, native grasses that you allow, allow to grow taller. Uh, uh, flowers that are good for uh, bees, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, a more sort of biodiverse uh, kind of uh, um, environment that we're doing for front uh, landscapes. Professor Wright, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Kelly, for talking to me. It's an interesting topic. It certainly (laughs) is. I appreciate your time. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.